You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, remember us? It's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 147. It is our first show in the month of February. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, life just gets in the way sometimes, you know what I mean? This isn't the primary endeavor <laughs> for uh, for either of us. And uh, things. this uh, show just took a backseat in the month, month of February. But we were speaking a little bit before we went on the air here. You know, we, we only speak to each other right before we go on the air. <laughs> And we're talking about if we had done a show sometime in the last three or four weeks, given the scope of what we generally talk about, up until a couple of days ago, it doesn't feel like there's been a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some minor New Japan stuff, but even that really didn't get, uh, you know, really ramp up until this past weekend. Uh and as the uh, some of the, the Long Beach show direction sort of became clear. Um, so there was sort of some minor New Japan stuff, some minor ROH stuff, but and really nothing big in WWE uh, to talk about until until this week. So, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty good at, at BSing our way through uh, through these shows, but I think it would have been a special challenge even to us to to make it through uh, all, all that. Uh, all that with uh, as limited subject matter as we had, just not a ton of big newsworthy stuff. And uh, yeah, so, so but we're back now. We're back coming off of a WWE pay-per-view weekend. And there's another one coming up very soon. <laughs> About five minutes from now, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, full disclosure, we are recording this as SmackDown is going on on Tuesday evening. Um, so perhaps we'll save some SmackDown talk until the end of the show, and by the time we're done talking, maybe that show will be over and we'll know <laughs> exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, we have a pretty clear... Do we have a pretty clear picture of what the Raw side of the card is going to look like at WrestleMania? I'm not sure <laughs> if if that's completely uh, cemented uh, coming out of the pay-per-view and Raw this week, but we can talk about the pay-per-view real quick and kind of the raw storyline directions coming out of the results for that show. Um, the pre-show match was Gallows and Anderson defeating the Miztourage. Miztourage finally got matching gear. And then uh, they got this matching gold gear. And then they came out on Raw the next night and Miz was wearing gold uh, gear and they were wearing mismatched suits again. At this point, I'm convinced this is a rib on me. These guys hate me personally. <laughs> I mean, and you're just talking about their fashion. I I thought like Bo Dallas still being employed was a rib on me, but um, yeah, this the, I I have nothing to say about the Mistarash. I I don't care for them. All right, the main show opened with the women's the first ever women's first ever elimination first ever chamber match. Some I might that... say it was historic. <laughs> Look, they should, I feel as though they should say this is the first ever as these milestones pop up. And this is not a company that does subtlety very well. <laughs> but they're <laughs> every time they draw attention to how um, backwards their view on women has been for the last... I don't know, 30 years. <laughs> Doesn't it, isn't it a little counterproductive? Well, the best part to me is that they're very much walking this tightrope, which, as you've pointed out just now, where Stephanie McMahon invented women's wrestling in 2015. But That's also, true. but also like Ivory and Tori Wilson and Jacqueline <laughs> and all of these people that they trotted out for the rumble. And of course, Ivory's going to the hall of fame. Now they're all legends and trailblazers. And it's like the whole gimmick was that they were divas and they were eye candy and bathroom breaks until 2015 when Stephanie saved the world and let them be athletes. 
But also, all of these women are legends and trailblazers, and how look how great they are. And it's it's, it's fascinating to watch them walk that tightrope. Uh, and uh, I mean, I guess they're doing it all right right now because uh, the mainstream when mainstream media covers wrestling, they basically just uh, type out WWE's press releases and don't do any research because it's wrestling and it doesn't matter to them. So it's like if any like real journalist took uh, like a half a second look at it, and I don't want to disparage Meltzer or, or some of the other people that do that do good work when it comes to pro wrestling journalism, but it's like, you know, they, they've CBS sports announced that ivory is going into the hall of fame and like what the legendary ivory. And I'm just like, dude, Stop it. Like, it's just such a weird thing for them to, on one hand, be saying, I'm just kind of repeating myself here, but to be saying that, you know, look, be, this is the first time that women are really being given a chance in WWE and to bring in Ronda Rousey, who's the reason that women are actually being taken seriously in WWE now. And at the same time, we have to pretend that, like, Michelle McCool and ivory and i'm sure melina will be back at some point to be a legend and i'm i'm just i'm just sitting here and i'm just like it's it's just a very weird tightrope they're walking the the sad thing is that this is eventually going to it's gonna come down to david freaking bixen span a dead spin is gonna write an article about how Stephanie was the head of creative while they were doing lingerie pillow fights and putting matches and all that kind of stuff. And because it's a little bit because it's Bix and mostly because it's Deadspin, it might get a little bit of news for a day or two. But none of this is really going to, you know, none of that and none of the juxtaposition that you mentioned there is going to matter until Stephanie runs for office. (laughs) at which which point someone can I mean there are hours and hours of footage on the WWE Network to pull from at that point Um, but yeah you're right about how the media tends to cover things these days and WWE you know they they co-opt anyone they can the Sports Illustrated guy we talk on Twitter a lot about how that guy is just ridiculous and uh I read last week him reporting that Dolph Ziggler is making a million and a half a year downside. <laughs> and I'm just like downside. I'm cackling at my at my desk as I'm reading this. <laughs> like seriously? I, I just he's beyond terrible. Um but anyway, we've now gone on a diatribe about the women's evolution and the wrestling media. So we're back in mid season form here. <laughs> Uh, anyway, on this Elimination Chamber show, Alexa Bliss, the valiant heel, uh, val- with the uh, cards stacked against her, the deck stacked against her, retained her Raw Women's Championship in the Chamber match. She I don't was think the only I one like who didn't have a friend when she entered the match. <sighs> that was the storyline of the Every Woman for Herself title match to decide who went to WrestleMania was that each person had a friend. But Alexa's friend got pinned before Alexa got in the match, so she really had to overcome the odds. All right, we might have to talk about we we might have to fight right now because you're not wrong about that. That is the story they told, but I know that we have a problem. (laughs) I know that we have a problem because we have differing opinions of how they went about telling that story and the work itself in the match. Basically. I'm going to stand up for Sasha Banks and you're going to talk about how she's Dolph Ziggler and how from a worker's perspective, she's Dolph Ziggler. All right. So this match started and it was Bailey and Sonya Deville and Sonya's green as grass and Bailey worked very slowly with her. And then Mandy Rose was the next person in. So Mandy and Sonya are friends, uh, roommates in real life. So they t- they two on one Bailey. So th- they're friends and they're fighting Bailey. So then Sasha comes in. And do you want to do you want to give your take on how she worked? She went a million miles an hour. She and it's very much the same thing when Dolph Ziggler does any kind of run in 
where he just sprints down to the ring and he starts trying to do stuff. And the person he's with is either not ready or just can't move that fast and stuff gets screwed up. And that's what happened. They screwed up some stuff because Sasha was going too fast. That's what it looked like to me. Do you have a different opinion on this? This may shock you. I'm going to I have an apology for Sasha Banks. Okay. She she got into the match and her friend at the time was being beaten down two on one. Uh-huh. She had to go fast. First of all, she's trying to win a wrestling match. I know no one ever thinks that way anymore except William Regal, but when you're in a wrestling match, here's the story that you should always be trying to tell. It should not be to put on a good show, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Get your stuff in, do spots. You should be trying to win the wrestling match. So she came in, and she was quickly trying to eliminate people because she was trying to win the wrestling match. And secondarily, she was trying to save her friend who was being beaten down two-on-one and like hung in a crucifix position through the wall of the chamber. I didn't have a problem with how she worked. Okay, but on the other side, you're supposed to make your stuff look good. Her stuff didn't look good because she was going too fast. She was the best worker in that match by a mile. Mickey looked significantly better than her. False. Um, that's just not true. <laughs> that's um, false. No, she looked great. Mickey looked Mickey great. Mickey moves in, that in match. slow motion. I mean, physically, yeah, she because she great. was working with people that can't move that fast. If you can't work down to the level of your opponent, you're not a good worker. <laughs> You've got to move down. I know that it sucks, and you and in a perfect world, everyone would move as fast as you. But that's why we have speed limits, Ethan, because we have to work down to the slowest <laughs> member of our society. Speed she, limits? <laughs> she was working with two people that are green. She needs to work down. They can't work up. They cannot. They don't have the ability to. She should, as the veteran and as this quote-unquote great worker, have the ability to work down to the level of her opponents. That's on her. She's the veteran. So if the match doesn't look good or if stuff doesn't look good, I'm blaming the vet. I'm not blaming the green girls. Mm, boy. <sighs> Ultimately, we can have a larger conversation about why are these green as grass girls... <laughs> In sure. the match, <laughs> but um, I think we're just gonna have a fun. When it got down to Sasha and Alexa, Sasha and Alexa worked fine together. So I don't think it was necessarily. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, Sasha. I'm not honestly. I mean, I'm needling you a little bit with the quote unquote good worker stuff because it's funny. <laughs> but like, I know she's not. She's a good worker. Uh, she knows. I mean, I've seen her have very good wrestling matches, but. She was in there with two very green people. It doesn't matter if they should or shouldn't be on TV. The point is they were in the match, and I felt she didn't do a good enough job to work down to the level of her opponents. I thought this was a good match overall. I don't think I loved it as much as some people did. I also don't think it was bad in any way, shape, or form. I thought it was was a good match. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought the last, when it got down to Sasha, I thought, like I said, I thought Mickey looked great. And then I thought Sasha, the Sasha Bailey and Alexa stuff was all was all pretty darn good as well. So, yes, there were pockets of this match that were, were a little messed up. And yes, that involved the two green girls. But overall, I thought this was a perfectly good outing. I was terrified when Mickey did the Thez press off the pod. She blew her knee out doing that off a cage in TNA. You remember that? I do. I think it was uh, Victoria, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and she, I mean the way if you watch it, the way she, she basically just landed on her feet, and then she and uh, she and Sonya fell down. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, she, that, that was a real possibility she could have blown her out again because it did not look like she was caught so much as she just kind of jumped down on her feet and sort of fell down at that point. So I was I was try- I was trying to think about that. I was like why does she land on her feet? Is it because she's short or is it because she would physically kill whoever she's landing <laughs> on? Like I'm, I was trying to figure out why does she land on her feet when she does that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you'd have to ask her, but uh, yeah, either way, she definitely came down pretty hard. It's not, not good. Uh, you can go ask, go ask Shawn Michaels or Matt Hardy or a million other people. What 
a lot of landing on your feet, jumping off of high things gets you. Uh, and uh, as WWE is fond of telling us, Mickey is not uh, a super young woman. So <laughs> I don't know. If she's made it this long without having knee replacements, then good for her. But I, I wouldn't recommend doing this often. She did at least pick, if you're going to do that crazy spot, she picked the spot to do it in the first ever women's elimination chamber. And it's, it'll be on the highlight reels forever. So at the very least, if you're going to do something really dumb, at least make it something that'll end up in highlight reels. That's, that's my, that's my hope and belief. I would prefer if nobody ever did anything dangerous, but if you're going to do something kind of crazy and dangerous, then uh, yeah, I recommend doing it on somewhere that will be remembered. So Alexa is women's champion going into uh, WrestleMania. I think that's the first time she defended the title in about four months, by the way. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that was part of the story, right? She and Kurt had some uh, argument about why Brock wasn't defending his title, and Kurt yeah. said it's because she hadn't defended her title in like three months. That's that's true. Was the yeah. last one that Raw you were at where Alexa beat Nikki with a punch? Uh- <laughs> I completely forgotten about that being. I will a- never forget Alexa Bliss <laughs> winning a match with a punch to the face, like she was the freaking Big Show. <laughs> this is the worst. Oh, this might be the worst. Well, can't say it's the worst Raw I went to. I've ever been to because I went to a lot of Raws that summer that Chavo Guerrero was wrestling Hornswoggle, Ooh. and I saw I saw them wrestle all over this country, and it was awful. <laughs> it was awful each and every time. Uh, we should mention here as we're recording this. Uh, that AJ Styles and John Cena have gone in the ring on SmackDown. So we'll see if uh, John Cena's road to WrestleMania becomes clear after think, after this just, show tonight. I'm just concerned. Cena's, we saw him in the match with Rollins. They did the, the big long match on Raw last week, and now he's wrestling Styles. Like He's trying to do the PWG Cena matches, and I just don't think he physically can do them anymore. So I'm a bit concerned for his opponents when I see him doing trying to do like jumping tornado DETs and stuff. I don't disagree with you, and let's rabbit trail here because that's what we do best. You mentioned that Raw Gauntlet match. There's a lot that you can say about that match, but and Seth Rollins set a record in that match. I thought that most of that match was boring (laughs) and i thought that seth rollins got a lot of credit for not a lot of work what say you i mean a lot of a lot of especially a lot of the cena match was seth lying there and taking cena's moves um i I thought the roman match was a lot of them just standing around that's fair um but i yeah i i i got into the drama of it i thought seth did a really good job of selling so, I mean, I thought the, I mean, the only thing you can say was it was a lot of drama and a lot of Seth when, when, when Seth just then lost to Elias in like three minutes, I was, I felt like air had been let out of a balloon. Um, I thought it felt like it was, it was kind of, uh, not the same, but I mean, the crowd, crowd really got into it. So they, I mean, they, he deserves credit in that case, right. For, for getting as much reaction as he did for as little work as you Sure. As as he did. Um, sure. Yeah. I'd, uh, I yeah. I remember. I can remember the big spots. I'd have to go back and watch the match again, which I don't plan on doing because we've mentioned on the show in the past. Nobody needs to wrestle for an hour. It's just generally not a good idea. But uh, I guess it worked in the ratings. So and then they did the Miz in like f- wrestled for like forty five minutes this week. So I feel like we're gonna we're gonna be seeing a lot of toying with with that kind of stuff for the next year or so. Yeah, I didn't mind it as a one-time thing, and I thought that was the most interesting episode of Raw in a long time for that reason. But when, as soon as they did it this week also, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to this Elimination Chamber show. Titus, <laughs> Titus Worldwide did not defeat the bar. And the bar's WrestleMania direction, we should discuss this on the show. They cut a promo after they defeated the bar, and they beat them in a rematch again on Raw. And they said, hey, we've run through every tag team. And my thought, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago was, well, uh, Seth and Finn don't have anything going on. Maybe we get Seth and Finn as a team for a little while. Uh, if Jordan's out until 
after Mania, they kind of dropped the Seth and Jason Jordan thing. Um, I'm not sure when Jeff Hardy's coming back. I don't think it's going to be him. This is what I thought at the time. <laughs> and then I thought, well, clearly I figured it out. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt are going to end up as tag team partners and they're going to wrestle the bar at WrestleMania. And after their promo where they mentioned they'd already beaten the Hardy boys and the shield and, um, and everyone, Mm -hmm. I came to the conclusion that the bar are going to be wrestling Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. What say you? Yeah, that seems about right. Um, I, I mean, otherwise, I mean, the alternative that Matt Bar- is that Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt are going to have a singles match somewhere on that WrestleMania, and I'm uh, I'm not okay with that. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I I mean, it seems like a, a waste to not do a final deletion esque thing with with Matt and Bray unless you do that on a Raw in the next month, and that the ending is them becoming friends or something, but. Um, I think it's it, going to happen. Actually, that's that. But that's <laughs> yeah. So I don't know necessarily how they get there. That might be what I just said might be exactly how they get there. Um, but uh, yep. <laughs> but uh, you know, they they come to some sort of understanding, or or Bray falls into Matt's magic lake and comes out a nice guy or something. I don't know. Um, they they can do they can do a bunch of of weird silly things uh, with that, I suppose, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, from the moment, what was it, it was the Rumble, there's something they did where, where Matt and Bray ended up working together. It was, maybe yeah, it was, it was in spot, that. It was a spot in the Rumble. Yeah, and I think they also did something in the, the, the multi-man match where Seth and Finn ended up doing the double pin thing where they also worked together in that. So it's like, whenever that started, we I think we, we kind of got that feeling that, yeah, they're, they're going to end up as a tag team because... It's WWE and Matt. What is Matt Hardy in the WWE? He is a tag team guy, and even though he has a wacky gimmick, he's still Matt Hardy in WWE. So he's got to be a tag team guy, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, Oscar uh, beat Nia Jax and then got beaten down after the match on that Elimination Chamber show. We still don't know who Oscar is wrestling at WrestleMania. We've been told from the dirt sheets and such that Oscar is going to wrestle Charlotte. And then Alexa's going to wrestle Nia. I I don't know if that's. And then I read some rumblings online this week that actually Oscar's going to wrestle Alexa, and that they're going to take the SmackDown Women's Division in a different direction. And I just don't see that unless you're doing Charlotte and Ruby Riot, which I think is going to get blown off either at Fastlane or on television between now and Mania. And that doesn't feel like they see Ruby Riot. Do you think Vince McMahon sees Ruby Riot as an opponent for the genetically superior Charlotte, <laughs> knowing how Vince McMahon views women's wrestling? No, no, no. That's that's funny, but it's not. No. Um, although I did notice that, like Ruby started growing her hair out, which felt like somebody told her to do that because they want her to look more normal. <laughs> um, they want her to look less unique. I feel like, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like, I mean, especially with the Riot Squad and the same thing, and the same thing to an extent with uh, uh, Paige's group. Um, Absolution. Yes, uh, Absolution. Not a mystery, for the record. (laughs) Absolution is not a mystery. Um, uh, It's my favorite joke. You you popped me. (laughs) Um, But uh, anyway, uh, that they just needed bodies for that rumble, and now they don't really know what to do with them. Um, I don't think they had any long-term plans. But yes, I think Charlotte versus Ruby uh, will be blown off at Fastlane. And I think Charlotte will win clean. But I mean, if it's not Asuka, I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what else would you do with, with, with Charlotte? I mean, unless, and I mean, we've talked about this a little bit off air over the past few months. Like, yeah, it's SmackDown, and they don't put a lot of effort into their women's division, but it's Charlotte, so they got to have something, something somewhat important for her, right? I, w- I would think so, yeah. And this may shock you, but I want to talk more about the Riot Squad. I saw a terrifying match <laughs> on SmackDown a few weeks ago between Sarah Logan and Charlotte, and I'm a, uh, like Charlotte's Charlotte's fine. Charlotte's actually athletically, she's pretty good. 
Sarah Logan, I really have no opinion of until I saw that match. And then, <laughs> oh my goodness, why is she on television? <laughs> like, that was an awful match. Uh, yeah, it's, I've seen bits and pieces of her, and it's like, that was the thing. Like, I, I remember a lot of people saying that Liv Morgan wasn't ready for television when, when they brought up uh, Riot Squad. And I was like, at least she's been on television. Like, <laughs> like and I, I think it looks Charlotte, like she owns a television. Right. Um, <laughs> I, it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know why Sarah Logan is in that spot. Um, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There, and I understand they probably, for whatever reason, they didn't want to bring up Peyton Royce and, and Billy Kay. Um, and so they brought up these two instead, but it's like, there had to be somebody that's, I mean, there's, plenty of women down the NXT that I thought were more TV ready than uh, either Liv. I mean, I, 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 I know how Vince McMahon thinks, so I understand why Liv Morgan is on television. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure what Sarah, Sarah Logan's doing on television. No offense to her. I hope she has a long and successful career. But um, yeah, she's, she's not very good. All right. Well, we've talked about women's wrestling a lot on the show. Mick and I are happy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Asuka beat Nia Jax. Yeah, and then they had uh, Nia just lay her out and, and be dominant. And my favorite part is after the match, Coach is talking about how Nia screwed up because she lost. And the other two, because clearly the story they wanted to tell was that, no, Nia is still powerful and dominant. She just got caught. But Coach is not having any of it. Coach was 1997 Shawn Michaels on, on, on this Elimination Chamber show because he wasn't putting anybody over <laughs> And so he's just talking about like, no, she took too much time. She got caught. She's a loser. And I was like, I don't think that's the story that your bosses want you to tell here, coach. But it, uh, so that was that I was amused by the coach just sort of spouting. It reminded me a little bit of Taz in TNA. Um, of him just sort of just saying whatever he wanted. And then accidentally the, telling the truth. Yes. And the announcers trying to tell a different story and just being on completely different pages. But he refuses to play ball with the other announcers and just he's like he's like well no I'm right she got caught she was she was taking too much time it's like yeah but that's not the story they're trying to get you to tell right now man I was like, I, I was I was amused by Jonathan Coachman on on this uh, elimination chamber show the announcing on SmackDown has kind of been eh, whatever for a while now in that Phillips is just completely bland. And Saxon is terrible, and Graves is overworked, and so he and Saxon just kind of bicker at each other. And Phillips is trying to play traffic cop, and it's it's not offensive when it comes to WWE level announcing. It's really not good, but it's really not bad. Coachman, I thought when he first got on that Raw announce team, I thought he was okay. Uh, you could tell maybe he hadn't been watching the product a whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought well. He's at least not overbearing and he's not talking too much and he's laying out and he's asking questions and I'm not sure it's good, but I, I am not as annoyed by Jonathan Coachman as I thought I would be. And since then, since we last <laughs> did a show, Corey Graves has all who I am a, have been a fan of and generally have been an apologist for on this show while you have not been as big a fan of his work. Corey Graves turned into Matt Stryker. Jonathan yeah. Jonathan Coachman is becoming more and more like 2007 Jonathan Coachman with each passing week. <laughs> and as usual, Michael Cole is more interested in seeming like the smartest guy in the room and bickering and getting and getting the last word over both guys than in getting the product over, except for Stephanie McMahon, who is a genius and a trailblazer and a visionary. What the hell happened to the Raw Announce team? Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, talking about WWE's announcing being bad, I, I know that seems probably a little passe here, <laughs> here in 2018. We have specifics now. But that's the thing. That is the thing. It's a different kind of weird and bad than it was even a couple months ago with the Booker T stuff, which was also bad, but uh, you know, in a different way. Yes, Coachman the, doesn't seem to want to play ball with, with the other two, and... I don't. I don't know if he's not getting as much, uh, no pun intended, as much coaching in his headset as the other guys are, or you know, if because he and Vince are pals, you know, are longtime pals, so he gets more of a pass. I don't know, but he seems to kind of say whatever he wants, and Cole seems to pick and choose uh, 
when he wants to like try. Um, <laughs> it's like there are times when Corey is yelling, like le- like uh, on Raw this week. We're jumping all around, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> Cor- uh, the Miz wrestled two matches, and the second match he's wrestling Balor, and Corey just won't shut up about how what an injustice this is, how unfair Miz's rest has to wrestle twice, and it's like. All one of the other announcers has to do is say, yes, but the Miz Taraj also attacked Finn Balor and beat him down three on one before the match. So it's not as if it's a super fresh Finn Balor going against this hurt Miz. It's both guys are beat up now and it's an even playing field, but they didn't really, but like Cole didn't care enough to point that out. And Coachman probably didn't remember that it happened. So right. And in his own mind, in his own mind, Graves is being a heel and saying the thing that he's grown up watching heel color, heel color commentators like Bobby Heenan say about heels and matches. And regardless of the fact that I just buried his performance over the last month, in his role, in his what he's doing, he was right. And the other announcers were not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was it's it's that's the thing too, is like Graves' greatest strength is if he had would hit, or he would be stronger as a commentator. And I do think he does a better than average job. He is mostly good, although as you mentioned, he's been displaying some striker esque uh, qualities over the last few months, which is probably the meanest thing either of us could say about a commentator <laughs> was that they reminded us of Matt Striker. Yeah. Um, but you need somebody really strong on that other side to call him out. It's like, yeah, some, like Cole will call him out if Corey's picking on like Cena or Reigns or Rollins maybe. But if it's like a mid-card thing or especially it's even when it comes to like a lot of Miz stuff, Cole like I guess is saving himself for the for the big for the bigger moments and so he just lets Graves run wild. Oh. Um and AJ just missed a lion salt. Why did AJ do a lion salt? <laughs> so they could do the spot where he missed. And then John Cena nearly killed himself on a code red. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so you need, so if Cole's not going to be the one to call it out, then you need like a strong baby face. And they don't really have that on SmackDown with Saxton. And they really don't have it on raw. Cause coach is like kind of doing the stuff that like Booker, and a lot of other guys have done, which is not, they're not really a heel, but they're kind of a heel, but sometimes they're, but so they're just kind of, again, pick and choose who they want to put over. Um, and so without that really strong baby face counterweight, without the gorilla monsoon to shout, will you stop at, at Corey Graves? It just kind of ends up being Graves shouting into a shouting into the abyss and not, and not really having anybody come back at him. And I think it affects their ability to tell stories. We've mentioned we're not, uh, we don't hate Michael Cole. And I think I can think, I can't specifically remember what show, but we've talked about, Hey, Cole was really good on this show when he's been very good. And you mentioned that when he's trying, Cole can, Cole can be effective in getting stuff over here and there. When does he try? Does he try like twice a year? Does he try at WrestleMania and like <laughs> SummerSlam maybe? Because I don't remember the last time he tried. It's been a while. I think he tries to an extent with the Braun, when Braun or Brock are in the ring. Like he's good at putting over the big spectacle stuff, I think, uh, more often than not. But when it's just guys having a wrestling match, he can sound very bored. And look, he's been, re- I mean, he's been doing this for 20 years, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's still your job. You're, you're on the biggest wrestling show in the world doing lead commentary, your job. Like during that Rollins match, you really needed like a JR or like, and I know Morrow's kind of a, a divisive topic now among wrestling fans, but one thing you cannot deny is that Morrow has intensity when he, when he calls and he would have been losing his mind with Seth Rollins wrestling for an hour, beating Roman Reigns and John Cena in the same night. Like, that would have been... Like, you needed someone... Heck, I would have taken JBL. Like, anybody to just oh. yell and yell and <laughs> holler and scream about what a great effort uh, Rollins is putting in. And it's like, you had Cole, Graves, and Coachman, and none of them are good at that kind of hard sell to put over 
the intestinal fortitude of your baby face. Like none of them are particularly good at that right now. That's fair. And one last point on this topic, because we've been talking about it forever, but whatever, this is a free, a free flowing conversation that occasionally, occasionally touches on mature subjects. Um, the announcers, anytime that Titus worldwide is on the screen and Titus worldwide, whatever it's this opening match, lower card baby face thing the the hand signal they do when they come out is starting to get over a little bit. They're not particularly good t- together as a unit, and it's fine. But and and maybe this is more how they've cast Dana Brooke. But if they said that Dana Brooke was a prostitute <laughs> who <laughs> who exchanges sexual favors for money, for, for, it would be less insulting than. <laughs> Then the way the announcers treat her when she's out there with her, they openly bury her statistics notebook. They make fun of the idea of her as a statistician. They bury Titus, say he's a big guy. And it's, they're half-assed burying Booker when they say that too. It would be less insulting to Dana Brooke if they said she was a prostitute than if than the role they currently have her cast in. I just, you just caught me off guard with that. <laughs> well, you're, you're not wrong. It's just yes, they. If they calmly explained that, look, she's she's doing this for money. It. <laughs> I feel like you could reasonably understand that, <laughs> and, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it would be far less insulting than the way they treat her. But <laughs> yeah, so that's the announcing. Uh, Woken Matt Hardy beat Bray Wyatt. It was awful. The crowd threw beach balls around and did the wave. And the announcers were talking about how we're in Bizarro World and all this stuff. And they're doing like the heart. Like they used to reserve that for like when ba- like baby faces got booed in Canada, and now they just say it when uh just when they have like whenever they whenever they want like whenever anything when the crowd does anything that they don't like. It's like they used to really save that for like when a top baby face was really getting booed or something. And now it's like, they just get mad. The crowd does. And again, I, I don't like, we've talked about this before. We don't, I'm not a big fan of the beach ball stuff or whatever, but it was Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Like who could possibly care? And they're acting like, Oh, why is the crowd doing this crazy stuff? It's like, cause they're bored and this match sucks. Yep. That's fair. John Cena just beat AJ Styles. So John Cena's in the in the title match at Fastlane. That's his road to WrestleMania. What's your gut on this? Are we still getting Cena and Taker? I would think so. Um just because I I don't know why you would make the point if you weren't gonna do that match, having Cena tease it and let it get that giant reaction and then not doing the match would seem super weird to me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, having him go to SmackDown—it's just to me what I would have done. And they obviously have decided to go in a different direction with Cena. Would have been to have him wrestle Nakamura and have him put Nakamura over. Um, but they kind of—I'm just watching Dolph move too fast and f up spots with Kevin Owens. Um, it does my heart—it <laughs> does my heart good to know that Dolph Ziggler is back and he put over Sin Cara at a house show a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Because it was in Sin Cara's hometown, or it was his birthday, or something, so they let Sin Cara win a match, and they so Dolph Ziggler came back from his long hiatus to immediately get through another Royal Rumble and put Sin Cara over at a house show. <laughs> That's great. That's great news. <laughs> it is wonderful. <laughs> oh, Dolph. Oh, Dolph. Never. Nothing ever changes. There's some. There's some comfort in death, taxes, and Dolph Ziggler being kept at the same level no matter how many times they repackage him or promise him that things are going to be different. It is it is awesome. Uh, let's talk about the main event of a chamber show. Uh, Roman Reigns won the Elimination Chamber match as expected. And this led to some intrigue after the match as Braun, who pinned everyone else in the match, Braun laid out Roman after the match. 
and kind of bubbling under the surface and not getting a whole lot of play anywhere other than WrestlingObserver.com is that there's this story, the, the steroid dealer who claims that Roman Reigns was his client. We touched on it briefly a month ago, so it's been kind of bubbling under the surface for a month or so. I don't know why you do that angle after the chamber match unless you're hedging your bets or giving yourself an out. Um, and then there was even more intrigue about the WrestleMania main event on Monday, on Monday Night Raw after Brock Lesnar was advertised for the show, did not appear before the crowd, was apparently not there. A couple of days after he uh, appeared in an Instagram photo with Dana White wearing a UFC t-shirt. And if you remember last time Brock's contract was up, he no-showed a show or walked out of a show and led to a lot of speculation about what exactly is going on with Brock Lesnar. Is this... And Roman came out and did this work shoot promo on Raw and no one is really sure at this point if this is a work, if this is a shoot, if this is their latest scheme to get Roman Reigns cheered. I I think my gut originally with this Roman Reigns or with the Brock Lesnar thing was that it was, they were half-ass shooting. Not that Roman was out there with a live microphone shooting, but that he was being given directives on, he was given a directive on what to say a day later, a day later. It doesn't, a day later, it doesn't seem like that A day later. It seems like, Oh, this is an idea they came up with to get Roman cheer. This is all work. Brock's mega money fight probably fell through today when John Jones was not granted any clemency by the Nevada state athletic commission and is still subject to USADA penalties. So Brock's big money fight in UFC is not going to happen probably this year. Like it feels more like a work to me than it did on Monday, but I don't know. I I just rambled for like 12 minutes there and talked about (laughs) the elimination chamber main event, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, John Jones, all this stuff. What do you think about the Ro- the Roman Brock thing? What do you think of that promo on Raw? What do you think of the Chamber match? I don't know. It's a free flowing conversation. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. So first things first. Elimination Chamber main event. We all knew it was coming. Uh, Roman was going to win clean with his move, uh, just like a year ago when you thought Braun wasn't going to lose to Roman at last year's Fast Lane. And I told you, yes, he is. Roman's going to win clean with Spear, <laughs> and then he did. And they did it again here because that's what they do. They build up Braun Strowman so he can lose to Roman Reigns. That is Braun's lot in life because he is the giant. The giant gets built up to lose to the guy. That's what they do. Um, Now, that being said, putting over Braun so strong and seemingly leaving him unattached to a Mania match would make you think that perhaps they are holding him off from getting him involved in any big storylines in case Roman, something happens where they have to suspend Roman Reigns or discipline him in some way. And they can, they can slide Braun into that spot with Brock. But uh, as far as the Brock and Roman stuff goes, like it screamed work to me. Like I thought, okay, this is they're re- They're doing the rehash of what maybe actually, or what really did happen three years ago, the last time Brock was going to leave. Now, I mean, some people made interesting points, like would Dana White really be posting pictures with Brock to further a WWE storyline? It's like, maybe maybe if he thought it will lead to them letting him use Brock again this year or next year, uh, maybe he would help them out in that way. And and maybe there's a little bit of truth to it, like the idea that, oh, Brock, Brock was in Vegas the same time the pay-per-view was going on and didn't go to it. And maybe they were resentful of that in some way, but it's like, it's his contract. So I don't really see them, you know, I mean, there have been times when they paid people a lot of money and then got mad at them for taking that money, I guess. So it's not impossible because it's such a weird company, but I mean, until it's proven otherwise, I'm kind of just assuming this is an attempt to get Roman Reigns cheered. Like, and it kind of worked. That's fair. Yeah, it did. And for what it's worth, 
And it was taking a lot of heat because everyone takes heat for everything now, but he's taking a lot of heat for using the word bitch. <laughs> uh, a derogatory term in that promo, but for whatever it's worth, I thought that was the best promo. That notwithstanding, I thought that was the best promo of Roman's, of Roman's career. I mean, it's way, I can't think of a lot that were better. I mean, to me, it, it was a similar, it was a similar flavor to that stuff he did with Cena last fall, but it didn't delve so much into that shoot. You know, he didn't talk about selling tickets or, or that kind of stuff or, or ratings or talk about being buried. Like he talked about Brock Lesnar's not here all the time. I am. And my passion for professional wrestling and my loyalty to the locker room and, you know, it's the intangibles that I bring are what's going to propel me past this guy at WrestleMania. So I thought that was a pretty, as I don't love work shoot stuff ever. We talked about that back during the scene in Roman feud, but I thought this was a pretty good job of you interjected a little bit of truth to it. And yes, you have the sort of the outlying thing of Brock's contract, maybe coming up and him maybe wanting to, work with UFC again. So that adds a little bit of realism to it, but it didn't go so overboard into that like 1999 WCW style shoot uh, promos that I really, really hate. So I, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. His delivery was very good. And uh, yes, B word notwithstanding, I thought it was one of his better promos ever, if not his best. So the other big thing in WWE right now is obviously the Ronda Rousey angle. Ronda did her first big angle at the Elimination Chamber. They followed it up with another angle on Raw the next night. (sighs) For whatever it's worth, I thought Ronda was very good on Raw. I thought it was the best that she's come across so far. Uh, She came out on Raw with the same look on her face that she used to have when she would walk out to the cage for a UFC fight where she looked like she was going to kill your parents in front of you and make you watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the look that she had. I didn't love the angle on raw. I thought the angle on the pay-per-view was pretty good and it sure looks like we're getting Ronda and Kurt against Hunter and Steph. What are your thoughts on the angles? What are your thoughts on that match? Um, yeah, I thought the pay-per-view angle was really good. And even the first part of her promo on the pay-per-view where she was very clearly, you know, she was kind of stumbling over her words and she was smiling and she got, it appeared to be legitimately teared up by people because people were chaining for her. Um, but like the whole thing is if, if she's going to be the baby face and obviously for this storyline, at least she has to be, um, she, the idea is she's coming in in good faith, right? Like she's, this is her dream. She wants to do it. She loves pro wrestling. Uh, you know, she gave the shout out to to Roddy Piper, who obviously is, you know, they're, they're really going with that angle of, you know, of his, you know, that he blessed her with the nickname and, and helped make her a bigger star and all that. So um, they're really, uh, so she was kind of doing the aw shucks. I'm so happy to be here thing. So she's here in good faith. She's happy. There was no reason for her to come out and be the pissed off, you know, warrior right away until it is revealed by Kurt Angle. I thought this was probably Kurt Angle's best mic work since he's come back. Um, he did stumble over uh, his, his lines a little bit. but It's I think not his just, fault. It's not it's his just, fault. It's not his fault. His brain is broken. Yeah. Um, and he has soulless dead eyes. Um, <laughs> pretty sure it's a get out situation. But Jeez. Um, <laughs> he's got... My wife loves the show big brother and i mm-hmm. i love my wife so sometimes i watch big brother with her and they mm-hmm. just did a celebrity edition of big brother and chuck liddell was one of the contestants mm-hmm. on the show chuck liddell has the same glassy far away look in his eyes that kurt does and it terrifies me <laughs> terrifies me oh, it's the i got hit in the head too many times look and kurt has it yeah, it's sad, man. It's sad. But uh, back to pro wrestling, you know, the importance <laughs> and stuff. Um, yeah, so I like I liked the angle overall in the pay-per-view. You got Ronda beating up Hunter. And, uh, I mean, a minor thing would have been that she kind of let Stephanie run away from her. I would have maybe had secure, some security or something out there to get in between 
uh, Ronda and Steph after that slap. Also, can Steph stop trying to give people concussions with those slaps? Like, it's just dumb. But uh, how can they? Be, how can they be so hyper aware of concussions that they have people in developmental wrestle in in boxing headgear? Sometimes <laughs> they wear helmets when they do bump drills, but they ha- they still go out there and they slap each other on every show. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that at all. It's. It's like, and it's not like it's a recent thing. I remember, it's like the only the only reason I would ever remember a Ted DiBiase Jr. versus R Truth match from like 2010, where Truth slapped DiBiase as hard as he could in the head, like two minutes into the match, and it was so clear that DiBiase had a concussion, and he just stumbled through, and they still worked for like another five minutes. And so even like back then, it's not like this is even a a recent thing. It's like they've been doing hard shots to the head, hard slaps to the the head for years and it's like it's so needlessly unsafe it's one of the reasons i'm not a fan of oni lorkin's work in nxt and a lot of guys like that a lot of the european uh or a lot of the english workers there uh like like to use that spot like to hit each other really hard and i just don't care for that stuff it's fake man it's fake um but anyway back back to the important <laughs> stuff of this fake pro wrestling angle um uh, yeah, the raw the raw angle didn't do a ton for me. I thought Stephanie kind of marching up and then immediately apologizing and beginning to cry uh, to to Ronda was pretty good. And I mean, the the story they they clearly seem to want to tell is that that Kurt's you know Kurt's trying to keep his job, but eventually Hunter will push him too far and he'll snap and turn into the and turn into the wrestling machine again, and and he'll say job be damned. I'm I'm coming after you and Mania or whatever, but so that's that's all fine. Um, but I yeah I wasn't I wasn't in love with the Raw angle, but yeah, Ronda did a good job. Stephanie and Hunter did a pretty good job. Um, so overall, I would say much more good than bad uh, in those two Ronda segments. All right, we touched on SmackDown Six Pack Challenge coming up for the WWE title at Fastlane now with John Cena added to that match. Bobby Roode against Randy Orton, who looks like an Italian vampire now with a full <laughs> head of hair. Charlotte probably wrestling would be right on that show. Uh, New Day and Usos considering continuing their best of three trillion series. Because they only have four tag teams in the whole company. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's... Uh, that's about what's going on right now in WWE. That's mostly what we talk about on the show. I write about New Japan for WrestlingObserver.com. There were some Ring of Honor shows in Japan this past weekend. Uh, nothing nothing happening there, really. You got the New Japan Cup coming up. You got the Long Beach show coming up, but that's weeks and weeks away. I will say I very much enjoyed the continuing Cody versus Kenny stuff. I'm... I think that's all been really well done, and uh, they they've announced to further the the Bullet Club intrigue. They're doing Kenny and Kota Ibushi versus the Young Bucks at the Long Beach show. They're also doing Hangman Page versus Jay White in the bathroom break match, and uh, oh yeah, Rey Mysterio versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, so that that Long Beach show is looking pretty good. Yeah, that thing sold out like. 30 seconds, though, so why are they still adding stuff to it? I don't understand the way they do things sometimes. Which is why, like, people were asking, oh, is, is Naito versus Jericho being being going to be added to that Long Beach show? It's like, they better freaking not. Like, <laughs> like you like you run a, whatever they ran, what is it, like 5,000-seat arena that sold out in 30 seconds. If they add probably what is their biggest their biggest American money-making match to this show that's already sold out, I I shall question that. I shall question their judgment. I think you'd be more than more than fair to. Um, I know it's a cardinal sin to question Gato's booking on uh, on wrestling Twitter, but I'm willing I'm willing to take the heat for that. Tell you what, I just watched Gato wrestle uh, Bushi or something on one of these shows. Sure. Um, why? 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 Why am? I, <laughs> why is this? Why? Why is every show four and a half hours? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, like, we were talking to, for that. And to your to your point about the Bullet Club stuff, like, see, I don't watch all the YouTube shows, so I'm not as heavily invested. I have to know what's going on about it 
uh, on them because I have to write about it and know what I'm talking about when I'm writing about it. So I'm aware of what's going on there. But it's just, like, it's just more content that I don't have time for in my life. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you've got Big Brother to watch. How dare you? So, <laughs> and Homeland. Oh, yeah, and sometimes that gets published, and sometimes it doesn't. Hey, here's a great story. So, <laughs> I probably shouldn't talk about this on the air. Never mind. But let's just say, Aww. if you're going to do a lot of work, it, oh man. Can you? Why do I have to beg? I have written for wrestling sites that I had to beg, look, to publish what the work that I did for them. Not currently, but I've written for two sites in the past where they asked me to write for them, or I approached them and said, hey, would you like me to write for you? And in both cases, they said yes. And in both cases, I quit because I did work for them, sent it to them, and they never published it. For no reason. They didn't not publish it because it sucked or not publish it because for any reason other than they just didn't get around to publishing it. I read again, this is not the current site that you work for, though. That is correct. Okay. When it comes to wrestling. However, the current site that I write for about television, it happened to me last week. Uh (laughs) I'm reviewing an episodic television show. I reviewed episode one that got published this week. I reviewed episode three that got published last week. I watched episode two. I reviewed episode two. I sent it in to the best of my knowledge. It never got published. How does this happen? (laughs) I do all this. I have to beg people to do the work that we've agreed. I'm going to do for them. What is going on? Oh, I think the day's still out on on email and, you know, posting stuff to a website is hard. No, I don't. I, I don't have a good answer for you there, pal. That's uh, that's uh, that's a tough situation. All right, I don't. What's going on with your mic, dude? I don't know what you mean. All right, it's much better now. But for a minute, that while you were giving your answer there, it sounded like you were uh, under a pillow. <laughs> okay. There's nothing we can do about that now, though. All right. What do you say we uh, we wrap this up? Yeah, let's get out of here. We've uh, we've talked for a very long time, and we, un- uh, we unofficially did boss time, but uh, not officially. So I don't have to spend the twelve extra minutes it takes to edit that, <laughs> to edit the boss time intro and outro in. So I'm actually a little bit happy about that. But well, that's that's good news. Well, we'll get back to official boss time sometime down the road. Oh yeah, you know it, buddy. All right. Uh, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back very soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys.
Bob looks 147 years old, though. John looks the same that he has for the last decade. Disagree, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like between last year's Mania and, like, Survivor Series, he aged, like, 10 years. Oh, in the ring, he's very much looking like a beat-up 40-year-old dude. Uh... Physically, I mean, facially, I don't think he looks like yeah. okay. a 40 year old. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Wee! Wee! Yep. So we're not allowed to talk about Jared Kushner losing, <laughs> getting, getting a security clearance downgraded. Uh, you may as well, since we're. I mean, it's just killing time here. I mean, it's funny because everyone, for like a million years, throughout, like this guy obviously has no he has no foreign policy experience, mm-hmm. and he has a lot of his money is tied up in foreign governments, mm-hmm. like because he has a lot of foreign investments, so he would be very easily to manipulate, and so, so it's like, what happened happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what everyone thought was going to happen happened. There's like, I forget the, the article I read is like, four countries have privately mentioned how excited they were to work with him because they knew how easy <laughs> he would be to manipulate. <laughs> I was like, it's like it, it's one of those things where, it's, and I've really been thinking about it this week. It's like he's had so many scandals that it's just how much again. It's it's more just a, a long view of how politics has changed in the last, really in the last twenty years. Um, the last 20 months. Yeah. Like any one of these things, like hiring your son-in-law to be like, th- who's going to broker peace in the Middle East and deal with uh, domestic policy as well. And, and do all these different things. And, just, and finally, Kelly is apparently, I mean, Kelly, I think is also kind of a schmuck, but they're all he schmucks. Doesn't, I mean, obviously, but <laughs> He doesn't want to be seen as one. Like, and for whatever reason, media is still hesitant. To call media is still weird about calling out a guy because he's a war. He's a general. Like, you get away with a lot, even if you're just as much of a piece of ish as the rest of them. If you have military service in your background, well, so th- there is still the Jedi mind trick of who loves war possibly more than politicians, and it's. Uh, media <laughs> oh yeah it's it's christmas it's it's we don't we don't have to have a planning meeting to know what we're going to talk about today right like it's 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 christmas it's like craig ferguson always talks about the golden day for him was today cheney shot his lawyer in the face <laughs> he's, he's like yeah I, i'm just gonna come in like 10 minutes before the show starts like <laughs> we don't need to plan anything um yeah, there's that, and there's just there's just a weird thing about it. it's like McCain gets a pass on everything because he got <laughs> tortured in Vietnam. It's like the guy has like a ninety five percent voting record with Trump, but sometimes he says catty things to him in press conferences, so he's <laughs> he's a hero. <laughs> he's a maverick. Yes, maverick votes somewhere in the high 80s with his party, but he got labeled <laughs> as a maverick. Uh, but yeah, back to the Kushner thing. It was just funny that we did so, we're so much like, everyone's like, oh, this doesn't seem like a good idea to have the sitting president hire all of his family. And finally, I guess Kelly, looking to assert a little bit of power, decided to go through with the, uh, the requests to uh, revoke his, his high security clearance. She's like, yeah. That's that's what should happen. It's just it's been so long since it felt like something that should happen has happened. Yeah. Uh I, I just it just caught me off guard, honestly. So we're on month thirteen of this presidency now or about to enter month, you know, somewhere something like that. Yes. And I read I mean my knowledge of this subject is very what you just told me and the article I cursory took a cursory glance at on CNN.com this afternoon, but in that mm-hmm. article on CNN, it said, yeah, it's like 
half the administration has been working on these temporary security clearances. (laughs) Why? We're 13 (laughs) months. We're past the quarter pole now. What's going on? Yeah. It's been very, it's like, well, they wouldn't, he didn't think they could get like permanent clearance based on their credentials. Holy shit. They just kept trying to renew these temporary ones. I was like, (laughs) and it worked for like a solid year. So. Holy shit! Also, holy shit! Randy Orton looks a hundred and ninety-seven years old and like a an Italian vampire or something with <laughs> with, a, with a full head of hair. <laughs> he looks so stupid with his alt right haircut. Oh, his alt right tweets. Um, there's so much text on the screen on these shows now. I'm, I, like, I saw them do it in the Braun segment last night, and I was just like, that's it. All right. I mean, no, nothing was worse than the stupid, the jail graphics in that one Uso promos. Yeah. Which I don't think they've brought back since then, so maybe somebody smartened up on that one. But yeah, these, the words on screen thing is... It's like, because I think they want to do, like, that's how, like, Facebook and Twitter artificially inflate their view counts is that mm-hmm. they put every video has subtitles and they autoplay. Mm-hmm. So I assume they do this to an extent so that they can put these clips on social media and then say, you know, 4 million people have watched this video. Just like 4 million people watched that video. I would have heard about it by now. Like you'll see some video will pop up on my Facebook page. It'll be like 19 million views. I'm like, if 19 million people in the world had watched this video, why are there six comments on it? Right. Like, it's just, yeah. It's, so I assume it's like t- to help hard, artificially inflate those social media numbers, which is like their number one goal as a company seems to be to inflate social media numbers. Which has so, so far, which has so far translated to zero dollars. Like Jinder Mahal's push. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think, like, I don't think investors get that. I don't. Th- I think advertisers think it's like. Somehow nobody's wised up to that fact, even though like a lot of companies do that and they do the artificial uh, inflation of viewers and stuff and it doesn't add any new money, but people are still like a lot of companies are touting social media numbers and stuff. I just don't get like I see MLB do it. I see like major sports organizations do it. I see WWE do it. I'm like, I don't what what, why is nobody wised up to this? Are they or do they all know and they just don't want to say it? Like, I think the investors are starting to wise up um, on the investor calls, but they do those so infrequently that it doesn't matter yet. And yeah, Dave Meltzer yelling about it on his podcast doesn't mean anything. No. All right. Um, I think we've sufficiently (laughs) BS. Once again, I feel I've said too much. (laughs) All right. Let's just have a free-flowing conversation that that occasionally touches on mature subjects. Sure. Um, <laughs> about professional wrestling. Um, yeah, that's all I got. All right. What the hell is going on in this television show? All right. <laughs> Let me put my microphone down. I've been holding it like Bob Barker. <laughs> it's on this mounted on this heavy stand and I'm just holding it like it's nothing. Alright. I try to keep on keeping on 